Blog Talk Radio. To all my people in the struggle, you think God's forgotten about you. Here's some pain medicine. Let's go! Welcome, welcome to my father's house, in my father's house, where there's many rooms, mansions. He has so many things for us. Hi, I'm Ariel Armstrong, and I'm your host. And today, we're going to be speaking about parables. And I just um, was in my meditative state and speaking to the Lord and wanting to see how he wanted me to share what I'm going to be sharing for the next, oh, about 25 minutes or so, or maybe less than that, because I have some um, things I'm going to release on a tape that I have that is really awesome by Mark Stibbe. It's a continuation on his talk on right on, but it really ties in well with what we're going to be talking about today. If you'd like to speak with me, you can call in at 646-378-0392. That's 646-378-0392, and just push 1. I can see your hand will be raised, and I can bring you in. But before we begin, let's just go before the Father. And I just want to come before you, Father. I thank you for all the listeners that are live and also that will be in the archive. That, Father, that this show will spark what you need to spark inside of them, will bring them to understand what you have called them to do. It may not be a message for everyone, but for those but I believe that you're going to draw to this message. It will be a right on time and a word and impartation to them. So, Father, we thank you for this time. I cannot do any of this except through your grace and your strength. So, Father, we thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, have your way with this show. And I want to always start off, even though a lot of times this is done at the end of a gathering, usually in a, a Jewish setting, um, but I really feel strongly that a blessing needs to go out, and I'm going to make sure I have that blessing go out 
before we even start because there's something that we miss a lot is someone blessing us for who we are and what we have. And I truly believe God wants to impart to you how he feels about you. So this is the ironic blessing. Yevarechecha Adonai v'yishmerecha Ya'er Adonai panav elecha v'yichuneka Yisa Adonai panav elecha v'yasem lecha shalom The Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace Today's title of the show is Parables, and parables means a lot to me because I never thought God was going to be using me in communication. Um, Right now, radio, he used me in communication with writing books. I did a short film last year, and he has me writing something else that I will tell you later, but right now I have to kind of keep it under wraps kind of covert operation. And when it's ready, it will be unveiled. Parables. What is a parable? A lot of times people have heard about Jesus using parables. Well, a parable is just a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson, as told by Jesus in the Gospels. Wikipedia says a parable is a succinct, didactic story in prose or verse which illustrates one or more instructive lessons or principles. Now, parables are stories. When we think of a story, if we're a child, I remember as a child loving books, just loving books, and it wasn't just because there was random words put down but it was a story. It was an adventure. It carried me along. And I was open to where the author wanted to carry me. So it's a very powerful medium to use story. You know, we have our testimony. And what is a testimony but a beginning, an end, a middle, and an end of a story? What happened? How did you get to this point? What was the dynamic and what was the crisis and how Jesus came in and rescued you, how God stepped into your situation? That's a testimony. It was even said that, I think it was the uh, Apostle John that said that if he actually wrote down all the stories of Jesus, it would not be room enough to contain it. Now, that's amazing because if you think about it, why were the stories in the Bible in the Bible? 
why did the Holy Spirit impress upon people to write certain stories and how God used those stories? Like like John said, there are many, many stories. But these stories that Jesus said and Jesus illustrated were stories that people could relate to, and they were powerful because they were getting them right where they were at. And to even before I even talk about Jesus using parables, let's go to the scripture because I love to, you know, delve in and look at, you know, was was parables only used in the New Testament? Was Jesus the only one? No. Um, I did a a word search for parables, and in Psalm 78, too, it says, I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from Proverbs 1.6, for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. Ezekiel 20. And this is um, when Ezekiel was talking to the, the Lord and said, then I said to the sovereign Lord, they are saying of me, isn't he just telling parables? Because the people were thinking he was just making up stories, but that's not what a parable is. Ezekiel 24.3 says, tell this rebellious people a parable. Hosea 12.10 said, I spoke to prophets, gave them many visions, and told parables. Now, parables sometimes have allegorical references. So what is an allegory? An allegory is a story, a poem, or picture that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning, typically a moral or political one, and that's the dictionary definition. So a story can contain an allegory. Why were parables so important? To understand that, we must go to chapter 13 of Matthew. In chapter 13 of Matthew, we have the parable of the sower. And I'm just going to read that. And you're going to see how Jesus impacts not only telling the parable, talking about why he's giving the parable, he's telling his disciples, which are his students, the reason for that, and then he's giving the knowledge or the revelation of what the parables are to them and what the real meaning is. So let's look at chapter 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore, he then told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Now other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. 
Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And then he ended, whoever has ears, let them hear. Now if we look at just that right there, we look back to go into the scripture, where was Jesus? He went out of the house. He was probably in Capernaum. It's a beautiful area, not too far, with the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias. Tiberias is on one side, Capernaum is on one side. Um, the story of the, the demons going into the pigs, it's right up there in the Gennesaret. It's, it's, it's really amazing area. So he's coming out of the house, one of the disciples' house. I think it was Paul, if I'm not mistaken. And he sat by the lake. Now, the lake is the Sea of Galilee. I remember going to Israel and waiting to see this huge sea, because when we think of sea, we think of Pacific Ocean, we think of Atlantic Ocean, but the Sea of Galilee is just a huge lake. You can literally see on the other side. So he's sitting by the lake, and in this area where they believe that this was told, there's a natural formation of, of it's because Israel is, is pretty hilly and mountainous and rocks, but it's you know, um, um, it reminds me so much when, I, when I'm um, in L.A., a lot of the hillside over there near the Hollywood Hillside, Griffith Park, that whole terrain totally brings me back to Israel. It's a desert climate, and, but it, it has, you know, um, uh, you know, olive trees and, you know, all kinds of sage and all kinds of, you know, um, certain plants that are what they call indigenous to that area. So the large crowds, that doesn't mean a few people, many people are gathered around to hear him. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of times when you're thinking, okay, well, the people are here, let's just tell them the, you know, exactly how it is. But Jesus doesn't do that. He talks to them in story form. If we want to know how to do this and, you know, why do we do stories and what is God conveying to us, then we have to really listen to the master storyteller. I mean, God is the master storyteller. He wrote the end of the book before he did the beginning. So in the beginning was the word, and then he says, I'm the Alpha and Omega. He knows the end of the story, and then he goes backwards. He, we live in time. He does it. So he's now, Jesus is living on time, in a certain time, on a certain season, on the earth. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, earth is territory, terra, territory. We are formed in the earth. God breathed into Adam, so he breathed in the territory. <laughs> so when Jesus is talking, he's strategic, strategically in the territory he's supposed to be. He's strategically talking to the territory, which is the man, he is speaking spiritual things, so he is bypassing the body and the flesh and the emotion and going straight to the spirit because the spirit has to deal with what has been said to it. Just like sometimes I, I would bring to remembrances um, and is ministering to someone and they may say something and all I'll say is, you know, it's appointed once for a man to die and then... Um, judgment 
Well, guess what? The person may look at me and not understand what I'm just saying, but their spirit man knows that there's going to be a day of reckoning. So it's like knowing how to impact or unpack the gospel. Because when the gospel is preached, it's going to be preached in power and word and in deed. But sometimes God is asking us to be a little bit more covert. (laughs) So here's Jesus. He's telling them the story of the sower. Now, he says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. He's talking to the spirit man in the people like if you're really getting this, your spirit man is going to tell you what is really being said to you. Verse 10. Now, right after this, the disciples come to him. So apparently he's finished, he's finished giving that story. He's not explaining it. Disciples come up and said, um, and let's look at the scripture. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? So see, they even wonder, oh, why don't you just tell them like you tell us what's really going on? So let's listen and hear what Jesus tells him, tells them. He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has been given more and an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. And here it is. Though seeing, not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. It is fulfilled in the prophecy of Isaiah. And Isaiah said, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. There it is. If they really, really, really want to know truth, they'll get it, and there'll be a change. And then God will heal them. There'll be a change. They'll want it. Now Jesus continues on and said, but blessed are your eyes because they see. The disciples are in the kingdom. And your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people ignored, excuse me, longed to see what you see but did not see it. And to hear what you hear but did not hear it. And now he's going to tell them what this means. What this story means so they can get it. So not only is he he's given an example as the master teacher does, He's also letting them hear it, how he's teaching them, but now he's giving them the revelation, so he's now explaining. Listen, then, to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. 
This is the seed sown along. But the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. See, he is giving them exactly the answer they wanted, but he showed them first. Now, later on, he talks about the parable of the weeds, the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast, and he explains about the parable of the weeds and the hidden treasure and the pearl and the parable of the nets. He's giving parables all along. And this is where we come in because God wants us to be stealth-like. He wants us to go into the world and speak in story to unpack the gospel in a way that people are going to say, whoa, this is different. I need to find out more about this. What does it, whoa, why is it hitting me this way? Well, I have something I want to play for you. It's from Mark Stibby, and it's on the continuing um, tapes I have, excuse me, CDs I have on Mark Stibby. And he was a vicar of a large congregation in England. And he's talking about when he was talking about right on and telling how God's calling the writers and what happened when a person got a hold of his teaching. So I want you to listen. Does not mean being obvious. It does not mean being bland, prosaic, and overly blunt. It means being subtle. You don't show people everything at once. Jesus, when he told stories, told earthly fictions that illustrated a heavenly reality, and religious people in particular, when they heard these stories, they didn't even realize until later that they had just been completely slapped in the face. It's like days later, a teacher of the law would say to another teacher of the law, reflecting on the parable that the Messiah had spoken, did he just say what I think he said, that I'm a slave to religion and I need to get real? You see, I'm, I'm really, really committed to a more enigmatic form and mode of communication. See, the great thing about narrative is that it's not preachy. It's preachy when it's done badly, and that's what we need to get rid of. We mustn't use story as a vehicle for preaching. What we need to do is learn the dynamics of narrative or of poetry or whatever kind of writing genre the Lord is wanting to stir up in us. And then we need to learn through that great medium to be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. 
And so our writing needs to be a glorious covert operation. Because when we get obvious, nobody really wants to listen. I'm a Christian, and when people get obvious, I'm out of there. What I'm after is the gospel being slipped under the back door whilst nobody is noticing. So I don't think the Lord is releasing creative people to be bland. I I think the Lord is uh, releasing creative people to be incredibly subtle in their art. And he wants to increase our capacity to see. And, And this means that in this generation, in the kingdom of heaven, writers need to be seers. How many of you know that you and I, whether we feel right now listening to this like a writer or not, how many of you know that you and I have access to a realm of limitless creativity. It's called the kingdom of heaven. The Lord showed me a while ago um, that heaven's library is enormous. Uh, The Father's house, if you try and work it out uh, geographically, is probably the size of North America. In my Father's house there are many mansions. Well, somebody's done a study of the cubits and the measurements in Revelation 19 through 21, and they say, well, it's roughly the size of North America, the Father's house. The Lord showed me the library in the Father's house, and it's the size of California. There are gilded leather books on every subject under the sun. Incidentally, there are books about Jesus. John said at the end of his gospel, you know what? I've been really selective in what I've said in the previous 20 chapters, but I want you to know that if I'd written everything that could have been said about Jesus, the whole world with all of its libraries could not have contained the books. So in heaven's library... Yes, in heaven's library. Isn't that an amazing teacher? Oh my goodness, we're almost out of time. But I do want to share something with you. Talking about being stealth-like, Um, It reminds me of when I was teaching some very gifted students in Washington, D.C., and we were taking them to the Spy Museum. And, you know, you could just say, hey, we're going to the Spy Museum. You're going to see, you know, this, this, and this. But I just said, how creative can I get to get them excited about the Spy Museum? So I actually came up with a Russian accent, and I got totally made up with a scarf and my glasses, and I played Mission Impossible. So I thought, we're going to end today's show with my charge to you, ladies and gentlemen. Let's begin.
Good evening. My name is Ariel. And Ariel, this lion of God, I am part of the CIA. You've not heard of the CIA? It is Christ Intelligence Agency. Now, you have been commissioned. Yes, you. You are to go into the territories, and you are to find people. Yes, people. But you're going to impart your book, your play, your movie, and you're going to release that into the atmosphere, release that into the world. When you say why, because as you sow into the territory God is taking you to, you will then leave as a good spy does, and then the Holy Spirit will come upon what you have left and explode. Ah, change will come, such as many spies have brought about change in the natural. Governments have been toppled. People have been put into power. And you, my friends, will be used as agents of change. Yes, you. Now, if you accept this commission, You'll be commissioned by the Holy Spirit, and you'll be on strategic assignment. So until later, God be with you, because greater is he that is with us than he that is in the world. your car, you at the house, on your job, be encouraged, boo. come on. Come on. 